1: Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure,
2: Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing.
0: Believing is seeing. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear.
1: Hey guys, and we're back for another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast dedicated to keeping the Christmas spirit alive 365 days days a year. I'm Julia.
0: I'm Anthony. And I'm Tom.
1: And I'm still not over the post-Christmas blues, but guys, I'm getting there. I'm decorated wow, at work nice. today, you
2: did. and now my cubicle is barren and boring. And this weekend, I'm undecorating the apartment, so
1: depressing stuff. It's going to be a sad weekend. So basically, too, the next uh, time planned before, Sunday. it's just going to be a therapy session next Tuesday, then. It is. That's okay. That's okay. We're all in this together. But the amazing thing is when you take your Christmas decorations around, how much bigger your house looks. Or your apartment. This is gigantic.
0: This is giant. Have you seen the toilets in here? They're ginormous.
1: I think how empty it looks.
0: Me too, Anthony.
1: I'm a glasses half full kind of gal, guys.
0: I am too, except, well, no, I'm not a gal and I'm not glass half full. Um, especially when it comes to lack of Christmas.
1: That's why we do this, isn't it? Because we want to keep that Christmas spirit alive. So week to week, <laughs> us three and all of our listeners, we're clinging to these movies to get us through clinging to each other and all of our Christmas memories to last the entire year. I think you can. I did last year. I know we
2: usually save some feedback for the end of the episode, but that's actually kind of a good segue for a really nice comment. We got on Reddit from that guy. Okay. So he started off by saying, uh, commenting on our new year's episode. I agree with Julia's sentiment in that while I don't want to put Christmas away so early, I feel like I have to because going back to work on January 2nd and having to deal with putting all the decorations away the following weekend would be too depressing. January is my low month and I find that I'm really grasping for things to look forward to in the future to make Christmas coming and going again not so sad. This is one of the reasons I absolutely appreciate this podcast because I know that I can hold on to this and enjoy it when I need it the most thank you for being there for us. Happy New Year to you all and I look forward to the weeks to come when I need it the most.
1: That is so kind. I love that. Me too. Thank you. What a good, what good feedback. Thank you so much. That was awesome. I thought so. So we're deciding to kick off 2019 with um, an extremely popular movie that I had never seen before. I think you both had seen it but i hadn't um it's john hughes so how can you go wrong right with the start to the year we are talking tonight about 1987's planes trains and automobiles with two of my favorite 1980s comedians tom do you want to give us a quick little synopsis for this movie
0: i do in fact neil page is somewhat of a control freak trying to get home to chicago to spend thanksgiving with his wife and kids his flight is rerouted to a distant city in kansas because of a freak snowstorm his sanity begins to fray. Worse yet, he is forced to bunk up with talkative Del Griffith, an annoying slob of a shower curtain salesman whom he finds extremely annoying. Together, they must overcome the insanity of holiday travel to reach their intended destination.
1: I'm also going to add an addendum to say that this movie was actually inspired by a terrible travel experience that John Hughes personally had. And I think that might have something to do with why a lot of people connect with this movie.
0: Who was John Hughes then? Was he the uh, Neil or was he Del? He didn't
1: say. <laughs> I like to think he was the happy medium, but apparently it was because of a terrible – I don't. he didn't specify it was because of somebody he met during his terrible travel experience. But, you know, all the funniest stuff has has roots in true life. So – It's kind of comical to think about that. So speaking of John Hughes, let's just go over the credits. And some of these credits are pretty awesome. Um, John Hughes, director and writer of this movie, which I'm going to give credit to it being what it is. (sighs) Take that as it may. For me, that's a great thing. a big John Hughes fan. This is not the first John Hughes we've covered. We probably, in the Christmas realm, know him most for Home Alone. Um, But he has definitely done more than that um he's very fond of christmas we'll talk later about if this is actually a christmas movie uh but i love john hughes and aside from the christmas awesomeness john hughes gives us it's the 80s awesomeness john hughes gives us and this movie gave me all the 80s feels
0: before we hopped on just so you know listeners julia just schooled us and let us know that ferris bueller's day off was a john hughes film as well i didn't know that yeah i had no idea about that it makes sense but that's shocking. So, I, wa-
2: so I went to school with his daughter, not Ferris Bueller's daughter, his friend's daughter. What's his friend's name? The actor is Alan Rock. Cameron's daughter. Cameron's daughter? I Cameron's was in a few daughter? musicals with her, actually, in high school.
1: Wow. So, our main characters and the one the whole movie center around is Steve Martin as Neil Page. As Tom mentioned, extremely uptight by-the-book kind of guy, kind of your standard Steve Martin, but with a little less goofy than we see in some of his other movies. Not as goofy as Father of the Bride Steve Martin, um, but as Type A as Father of the Bride Steve Martin. Definitely
2: Um, still goofy, though.
1: Still goofy, but not as. He was darker. This is a darker-themed John Hughes movie, in my experience. Um, John Candy plays his absolute polar opposite del griffith he's standard john candy i mean standard john candy john candy does one thing very well and it's be john candy so um, lovable he is uh, I, it's the reason why i love john candy in all of his movies he is uncle buck he is great outdoors i mean he he's great at this character you he also the one have character
2: he
0: plays
1: Exactly. No, I mean, that's what, he's like Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves plays one character, but he's very good at it.
0: I know Kung Fu. But he
1: was the same way. <laughs> With more heart, maybe, than Keanu Reeves. but
2: And more facial know, like expression.
1: He does. He does. With a wicked jerry curl, by the way, in this movie. And some glaringly straight white teeth. Glaring. Like, they unsettled me a little bit. I think that was the goal. All the other characters are completely secondary, but there are some definite people to note. So in a cameo, you have Michael McKean, who we have seen in Christmas movies prior to this. Um, we've talked about him being in the X-Files. I can't think of what Christmas movie he was in that we covered.
2: I know I mentioned in uh, The Earth Without Santa Claus, he plays Snowmiser in that horrible live action remake. that they. Had uh, seen I bet that's did.
1: where it came from. That's probably where it came from. Oh, I know where he was, most notably in our past. It was in a Patreon episode. It was when we watched Clue. Oh, so for those of you right. listening who, aren't, who aren't patrons, then he was there as well. Michael McKean has a small cameo. Uh, Kevin Bacon has a teensy, weensy cameo at the very beginning of the movie. Young baby Bacon. Bacon.
0: Kevin Bacon's cameo was enough that Christine and I both had this (gasps) moment today. We were watching it. And uh, it was one of those those couples moments. She's like, Is that? And I just go, Kevin Bacon.
1: (laughs) So I'm curious if that had the same get in nineteen eighty seven that it does today. This was post Footloose, I'm assuming. Is that right? I never I've honest I've never seen Footloose, the original. Isn't that shocking? I've never seen Footloose.
0: It was post Footloose. Uh -uh.
1: Post Footloose. So it probably mm. did have some shock factor. He was hot stuff back then. What do you right? mean he was? I mean, he is continually hot stuff. But I mean, back then, people knew him as hot stuff.
0: What's your favorite it Kevin Bacon it? movie?
1: I don't know what my favorite Kevin, but he's been in like 50 million. I really liked him in Mystic River.
0: That was a good movie.
1: What's your favorite Kevin Bacon
0: Flatliners. movie?
1: Flatliners. Flatliners. What's your favorite Kevin Bacon movie, Anthony? I don't know. Are you internet movie databasing a list of his movies? I am. He, I had, feel
2: a, I he, he had, had a lot of one. I did like Footloose. I liked JFK. I liked A Few Good Men. Paul oh,
1: De- A Few Good De- Men. Oh, he was, he was in JFK
0: and A Few Good
2: Men. Yeah, so it would probably be one of those and two.
1: Literally, he's been in a million movies.
2: I used to really like the show he had on Fox, The Following, which shot very nearby
1: to here. That was a great show. Yep. I liked that show. That was a great show. I love Kevin Bacon. He was great in Apollo 13. He's great. Um, we also have a brief cameo by Dylan Baker as a super awesome hillbilly who makes this awful snorting compulsive noise. Um, people probably know him from some sitcoms lately i think he was in the good wife for a while um i know his face but i couldn't tell you where i know it from he's just one of those faces you know
2: if you were a fan of the original spider-man trilogy with toby mcguire he played one of the ah. teachers throughout yes who if they kept going he would have turned into the lizard so dr kurt connors for all you comic book fans out there
1: Martin Ferrero plays a motel clerk. He doesn't even have a name in it, but he is the skeezy lawyer from Jurassic Park who gets killed first when he's on the toilet, eaten by the T Rex. Uh, and it's a great scene. Epic. <laughs> <laughs> you also have baby Matthew Lawrence playing Steve Martin's son, like a baby. Like he's he a little baby. But you super, can tell it's yeah. adorable. And then um, John Hughes tie back here. Edie McClurg, who is the secretary in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, plays a car rental agent, equally annoying in this movie as well. So I was telling the guys before we started recording, these John Hughes movies start to feel a bit like Adam Sandler movies where he has this group of people he likes to use that clearly he's very fond of, and he uses them in lots of his other movies, which I love. They're like – built-in John Hughes Easter eggs, which is kind of I'm not
2: sure. I wonder how John Hughes would take to being compared to Adam Sandler, even in the broadest sense of the word.
1: I like Adam Sandler.
0: I do too, a lot.
1: (laughs) He's got some misses, but I really like Adam Sandler. He has 20 million million.
0: more misses
2: than hits. No. Oh, I don't
1: agree with that. Oh, and Bill Irwin who is the man on the plane that sits on the other side of Steve Martin when Steve Martin gets stuck in coach sitting next to Dell um, is the old man from home alone that the mom tries to bribe with a watch and earrings and cash in order to get a seat on a plane to get home faster. He's the husband and Ben Stein is in this movie too. And he was in Ferris Bueller's day off.
0: Bueller. Bueller. That's right.
1: <laughs> Possibly yeah. his most famous turn in Hollywood right there. And he had a show named after him for quite some time. <laughs> so, um, it's a great cast. They're all very comfortable in their roles, I feel like. And honestly, 90% of the movie is just Steve Martin and John Candy. So it works for me.
0: Man, um, Steve Martin is kind of a jerk in this.
1: He is a massive jerk in this. That's a good jumping off point. So we've talked about credits Talked about all that good stuff, talked about the cast. Let's get into general discussion. This is the first time I've seen this movie, so I'm gonna go last. Anthony, what's your history and overall impression? I'm gonna add that in.
2: So, I first saw this movie in high school around Thanksgiving, which I'll bring, I'm sure we're going to talk about later on when we talk about whether or not this is a Christmas movie. It's not. (laughs) It's not. And I very strongly believe that. And I was going to give it some points for having the Home Alone house in it. But then Julia informed me, no, that house was a street over from the Home Alone house. So I love Steve Martin and John Candy. Yeah, this movie was good. But my score is going, like, I have no strong feelings for it either way. I really don't. It's not my favorite um, John Hughes movie by a long shot. So we've covered movies before on this podcast that we've decided, that we said were good movies, but not Christmas movies, and that affects the score, because it's mm-hmm. a Christmas movie podcast, so...
0: This has yeah. nothing Christmas in it. It's, there's some snow, but I think that's about it.
2: And there are a few lights in the city on some trees. That's about But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good. I don't have the love for it. A lot of people seem to have. But... I, and I like John, uh, Steve Martin and John Candy, but I was never either of their hugest fans, because... A lot of the times, both of them are a little over the top and broad for me, which I discussed during National Lampoon, I don't like. But I will say both of them are a little toned down in this one, So, but we'll get into that later on.
0: They have their moments.
2: They have a few moments that dragged on for me. Anyway, Tom, what's your history with this film?
0: Um, I saw this years ago with Christine. She had wanted me to watch it because I had never seen it, um, and I like it. I don't think I've seen it since my original airing before today, but it's a fun movie. Julia.
1: Yeah. So today with Marty was my first time viewing. Um,
0: Had Marty seen it before?
1: He had not seen it before. Okay. And it's our 15 year anniversary today. So that's what we did for our anniversary was watch this movie for the podcast together on the couch, which has not happened for a while.
0: And now you're hanging out with us.
1: I also have strep throat, so that's as far as it's going with Marty and I today. I'm just going to tell you right now. Um, So so I will say that it's neat that I have uh, an anniversary memory of the first time I saw this. I really enjoyed it, but I think it's definitely a movie that is like a fine wine that will grow on me more with subsequent viewings. So you go into any John Hughes movie and you have a precedent set. And it really didn't live up to it until the very end. Um, But there are some huge laughs. And I feel like as the movie went on, the laughs got better as I settled into the movie. Um, I am a massive Steve Martin fan. I love to see that man come unhinged really any character that can do that well, and I think he can do it really well. There are definitely scenes that are over the top that felt a little long with the unhinging. My favorite Steve Martin unhinging is Father of the Bride unhinging because it is a yep. simmer and it is a boil over the top. And this one felt like there was a little simmer and a lot of boiling. So I'll the Father
2: of the Bride is Martin's. my favorite Steve Martin movie.
1: Yeah. I really liked this movie. Um, I mentioned it was darker than I was expecting. Steve Martin is a lot more unlikable than I was expecting him to be, um, but in the end, I got it, and I I understand why it was like that. I love the John candy character because I've seen so this can, character before.
2: Can we jump off from Steve Martin being unlikable?
1: Yeah, let's do that. I didn't find him unlikable. I would be of course you you get, you're from New York. Yeah, a, see, I you're would, not.
0: What I told Christine as was as what I told
2: him. As what I told I Christine that forced road trip.
0: What I told Christine when we were watching this, I was like, Julia and I are gonna talk about how annoying he is, and Anthony's gonna find him so endearing.
2: I don't find it I don't find him endearing, and I don't find him like you know, I'm not like, oh my god, he's such a great character, but I don't find him annoying. I don't find him being what's the word? It's not that I find him relatable, but I understand where he's coming from. I'll say that, because I like John Candy is hilarious to watch. But if I encountered a person like that in real life, I would get as annoyed with Steve Martin if I was forced to travel across the country with him like that, especially on a busy holiday weekend to get home to my family. That's the thing. He wasn't
0: forced. He kept putting himself in situations where he was where he was trying to. Get okay, home so. To- no where where he was ingratiated somehow to dell and he he had you know he had to 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 be involved and help but i mean even when they're when they're getting the the tickets he buys him he buys him a train ticket and says it's a gift
1: and it's the perfect setting for desperate situation the travel realm at thanksgiving is nobody wants to do that nobody wants to do that part of getting home to their family by the way so, does Steve Martin work in the city, but his his family, like his wife and kids, are in Chicago? I think he was there for a
2: meeting.
0: World? Yeah, I assumed it was a business trip.
1: Oh, business trip. That makes. Like he more was sense. he was
0: going to headquarters or something to meet with.
1: Oh, okay, the I president was president who
0: wanted opinion who had opinions about or who didn't have an opinion about anything.
1: Yeah, who just stared. That was funny to me. Honestly, that little bit of boardroom humor made me laugh especially at the very end when they showed that guy still looking at the <laughs> so staring at him. uh-huh so question for you anthony um do you like the movie tommy boy yes are you richard no you're not you wouldn't have been completely as infuriated by tommy as richard was because that is essentially this movie just a little goofier i'm not
2: i'm not saying i would be as I would get – I'm just saying I'd get annoyed. I wouldn't be (laughs)
0: like
1: (laughs) – Well, okay. So there's Steve Martin annoyed and then there's Steve Martin like
0: getting really
1: mean mean and angry annoyed because like I would get annoyed too, but I wouldn't say the things that Steve Martin said. That whole really mean but also hilarious to me part in the hotel room initially when he goes off on Dell – is so funny to me, but it is so mean, and you feel so bad for Dell, and, or maybe you didn't. I did. <laughs> I still laughed, but I felt bad for him. He's a much more sympathetic character, and if Richard had gone off on Tommy like that, I would have felt really bad for Tommy. <laughs> I love Tommy Boy, by the way. It's one of my favorite movies.
2: I, but I don't, I think, I don't think it's fair to say Steve Martin was inherently a jerk in this film because as Tom pointed out, he bought him a train ticket and said to consider it a gift.
1: Well, I didn't say he was inherently a jerk. I think he's an uptight
0: Well, I think I... he's
1: so uptight he can't he's inflexible and that's the problem. And that's who he's supposed to be. He's he's not built to bend at right. all. And so Dell is brought in to help him bend. And he does throughout the movie. He he loosens up, which is good. And he needs the mean moments in order to loosen up. So I totally get the procession. I'm not saying that John Hughes did anything wrong. It just surprised me. It really did.
0: Um, and I, I would I would posit that the ticket was a was an attempt at atonement for the way he had been treating him too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't say he did it like just out of the kindness of his heart. He knew he was.
1: Yeah, and I don't think he's one of those guys that says he's sorry. At least not at the beginning. He's one of those guys that makes amends without having to say sorry. We all know these people. Julia. So, <laughs> I am not that
2: person.
0: i <laughs> not <laughs> that person at all. But I,
2: okay, so I'm going to stand up for the, all of the inflexible people in life. There, because that's just, there are a lot of them out there.
1: I think that's why people connect with the movie. Because there's as many Neils as there are Dells. Absolutely. I'm not, yeah, and I'm not saying one's better than the other at all. I think that's why the movie works. That's why the movie worked for me, because you could see each one of them grow, right, during the course of the movie. And I like that. So
2: when I hang out with you two in person one day, am I going to be Neil and you two are going to be? Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Totally.
1: (laughs) Did you have a question about that?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to rethink this. uh, Did
1: you have a question about that?
2: (laughs) I'm going to have to rethink this uh, hypothetical future visit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We just want to all travel on the same plane. Or I guess Tom and I could. It'd just be a whole litany of I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Okay. So for those of you that didn't see it, the ending took me by surprise. Um, so throughout the course of the movie, we know that Neil is trying to get home to his family for Thanksgiving, just like every other person. And we hear about Dell and Dell's wife. He talks about his wife. He has a picture of her. Um, and, and so we, we hear about that as well. Uh, and at the end of the movie, they, after going through all of the hijinks they go through, they're, they're finally, about to get where they're going, <laughs> which namely means Neil is about to get on the train that will take him home. Um and they have this connection finally and they both say, Oh, you know, maybe we'll see each other again. And Neil says, Well, I'd love to meet your wife. You've talked so much about her. And Dell says, Oh, I'd love to meet yours. And they sound awesome. And so Neil gets on a train to go to his wait, house and Dell.
2: Wait, he has a line just, I love Neil's line right there where he's like, he uh, talks so much about her, I feel like I know her. And the look on John Candy's face when he says that. like, Anyway, I really like that scene.
1: Well, and that's the look. So Neil gets on the train and he starts to have these flashbacks to not only his own family, but some of the things that him and Dell went through in the last few days. And it's like something clicks in his brain. And he gets off the train, which is a big deal because his whole thing has been getting on to a train to get home. And he goes back to the station and he, and Del's just sitting there in an empty station at this, at this time that everybody's just trying to get home to their family. And Neil's like, why are you still here? And it comes out that Del's wife died eight years ago and he has nowhere to go. He has nowhere to go. So this is Neil's Linus moment. Although I would argue not a Christmas movie, but it does have a Linus moment in it. It's got a redemption moment in it.
2: This is what Thanksgiving is all about. Charlie Brown.
1: That's right. (laughs) Um, And so he ends up bringing Dell, this person that infuriated him for 90% of the movie home to meet his family. And you get that sense that Dell will not be alone any longer. um, Whatever that means. Uh, So, that I always felt there was something off about Dell and his wife, but I never put my finger on it until just then. And it was a really, it's a super sad scene. I mean, John Candy has a lot of depth for what he does, and especially in the scene he does. He gave me the feels, it tugged at my heartstrings.
2: Gave me the feels too, 100%. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, but definitely not a Christmas movie. <laughs> and,
2: and, and in that moment, I wish I could have reached through the screen and hugged him, honestly.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. John Hughes does it well. He pulls those heartstrings pretty good.
2: And John Candy acted the heck out of it with his facial acting, too.
1: He did. He absolutely did. Um, it's funny you had mentioned earlier when you said Anthony Definitely not a Christmas movie. And Tom said, it wasn't even that snowy. They had to ship in most of the snow that you saw in the movie because where they were filming was way too warm at the time or way too warm in general to get snow. So I think John Hughes probably would have agreed this is not a Christmas movie. (laughs) It is a good Thanksgiving movie.
2: My favorite fact about the movie was that uh, no – companies wanted to be associated with bad service which is why they had to make up all the names of the (laughs) different companies that
1: that is very funny (laughs) Yep. so speaking of bad service another trivia tidbit this movie is rated r which kind of surprised me because when as (laughs) children of the 80s or 90s watch an 80s movie i feel like we're always surprised at how much bad language is in it like when i showed my kids goonies i was like holy crap, they say a lot of crap in this movie. Um, But you don't remember that from when you were a kid. So I was expecting, like I didn't know what to expect with a John Hughes R-rated movie. So the only reason this movie is rated R is because of a three-minute scene with Steve Martin and the annoying car rental agency woman from Ferris Bueller's Day Off where he says the F word lots and lots of times well Lots you're
2: only time. allowed to say it i think twice in a pg-13 movie Otherwise, he exceeds that yeah. yeah
0: i think he exceeded <laughs> that most of his sentences
1: <laughs> which I, that scene wasn't hilarious to me but man how badly do you want and anthony you've probably done this but tom how badly do you want to actually say that to another human being when you're that frustrated
0: <laughs> um not really Oh, I my moments. I have too, but she didn't actually do anything wrong to warrant it. Like I felt like that came out of left field. Um, he, she, oh, he, really? He, well, he didn't give her an opportunity. He didn't tell her the problem. He didn't give her an opportunity to to rectify it or anything. He just comes out guns blazing and goes nuts on her.
1: Well, she shushed him. Yeah. She was yeah. taking a personal phone call when he walked up to the desk. I guess so. Which if, if you, that's what would you, set me off more than anything else.
2: If you two could don an invisibility cloak and follow me around all
0: day, you'd be—you
1: are an R-rated movie, aren't you?
0: I'd be snap. I'd be slapping you on the back of the head throughout the day. Stop it, Anthony. Well, it's
2: funny because oh. you, that you said, you know, Tom, that when you were watching it, uh, I said to Christine, Anthony's going to like. Mm-hmm. Steve Martin's character, <laughs> and we're gonna like Dell <laughs> because um, you guys keep using the word inflexible to describe him. And one of my coworkers, my favorite coworker, she's probably my best friend at work. She's like most positive person given to me. Like I think she could give you a run for your money, Julia. Right. Oh, really? <laughs> we were talking today, and she was telling me your problem is you're so inflexible. And I was like, huh. Interesting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Does she listen to the podcast?
2: No. <laughs> I'm gonna have to maybe tell her to listen to this one.
1: Yeah, maybe this one needs to be our introduction. That'd be funny. So the movie for the most part is broken up into into scenes and different hygiene. So maybe we should just talk about favorite quotes and scenes and then probably walk us through the rest of the movie.
2: Well, how about just scenes in general, likes and dislikes?
1: Okay. So what are your least favorite scenes? Well,
2: it's not that it's a least favorite scene because I found it very funny at first, but I felt it went on so long. And that is when Steve Martin and Kevin Bacon are chasing the cab. Like (laughs) it was, like that felt like it went on forever. (laughs) Like it was very funny (laughs) at first. I could relate to it, you know, trying to keep upstreeting people to catch the cab.
1: Uh But
2: after like, I that scene had to have gone on for over five minutes, which <laughs> is the long 40, part of a
1: scene I like feel that. Like, I, I feel like that scene's meant to resonate with Chicagoans or New Yorkers, people that have that struggle regularly. Um, Cause yeah, it was funny to me too, but it felt, it felt a little long and it felt very eighties, which made me happy. The shoulder pads in his coat and the way the cars looked and that was fun for me. But it would, it felt a little long. I agree.
0: My least favorite scene is the one where they're engaging and um Steve Martin grabs John Candy and he'll like move him one way and then move him the other and they say things in between. It just felt very unnatural.
1: I think it happened after the car after burned? the
0: car burned. That was a hilarious scene.
1: Yeah. That one was great. Um I the front part of that, I liked it when John Candy is when neil's asleep and Dell is driving and he's like jamming out to the radio it was very national lampoons right where he slept through anything and the car was going everywhere and the car also looked a lot like national lampoons uh the wally world one with the green station wagon little different station wagon than christmas vacation but that scene was funny to me when his coat gets stuck in the hooks and his arms get trapped and he can't even steer. And that made me crack up. I loved it. Marty and I were both rolling. We thought it was so funny. I really like, well, it was one of my favorite quotes is after the car is totally trashed and they're talking about what irritates them about each other because Neil thinks he's not irritating at all. And John Candy's line about you play with your balls a lot is my favorite quote in the app in the entire movie funniest thing
2: ever it is my favorite scene oh too.
1: yeah i feel All like right. you should read the quote because i can't get through it without laughing i'll read it okay perfect so,
2: so the john Candy's bit yeah john both Candy's.
1: where it starts with yeah, yeah you play with your balls a lot
2: yep yep okay you play with your balls a lot i do not play with my balls larry bird doesn't do as much ball handling in one night as you do in an hour are you trying to start a fight no i'm simply stating a fact that's all you fidget with your nuts a lot you know what would make me happy <laughs> another couple of balls and an, and an extra set
0: of fingers
1: that's it right there <laughs> i don't know how they got through that scene i don't either i had no clue how they got through the kissing in the bed where he kisses his ear without cracking up. Like I really want to know how many takes it took to get through.
2: Oh, where he where he says his hand was between two pillows. <laughs> that yeah. was
1: Those on pillows. <laughs> <laughs> they start flexing when they get out of bed after that happens, like machismo trying to get that to come back. And then start oh.
0: talking. And of course, you know, do the man thing and start talking football.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: 1987 so, that would have been yeah the uh, chicago bears they talked about them and they i think they won the nfc central i think they were the nfc central champs that year
2: how were they Let me so you know a scene kind of broke my heart a little bit what and it was just because of john candy his like again i thought his the serious scenes he did hit i mean his acting was like superb because you know he can do funny but like you sometimes forget he can do the dramatics really well too yeah but uh when he says to neil you want to hurt me go right ahead if it makes you feel any better i'm an easy target yeah you're right i talk too much i also listen too much i could be a cold hard cynic like you but i don't like to hurt people's feelings well you think what you want about me i'm not changing i like and then he hesitates and you can kind of see him getting a little upset i like me my wife likes me which when it comes back around at the end and you find out his wife is dead ah oh, it's crushing
0: mm-hmm. makes it seem more crushing in retrospect i gotta get back on a happy note after that <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> i love when uh when we see dell get on the highway going the wrong way and there's like, a couple on the side of the road screaming at them and john candy's like oh, they're probably drunk and they continue <laughs> to yell at him and he makes no sh- you know makes the motion that he's drinking that they're drinking and-, and sloshed or whatever and then uh that scene with the when the two trucks hit like they go, they they slide right between those two trucks uh, and then get out and the car bursts into flames. I just, I lost it at that point. That was, I lost it. Let me tell you something. I'm done with doing
2: good deeds for people on the road because driving at night, the car in front of me doesn't have their lights on. So I like flash them, flash them again. They're not getting the hint, flash them. They shortstop and look out the window at me like, you know, what the blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And like, you know what, next time I'm going to let you get pulled over. Like last time I tried to do a favor for anyone on the road. Although I so, will admit, in fairness, usually when I'm flashing people on the road, it's get out of my way.
1: So a quote that I mentioned I like that's right before the really sweet Del quote that Anthony just said is Neil's horrible mean quote, but it's so funny because it's Steve Martin completely unhinged. Um, He says, you know... Everything is not an antidote. You have to discriminate. You choose things that are funny or mildly amusing or interesting, you're a miracle. Your stories have none of that. They're not even amusing accidentally. Honey, I'd like you to meet Del Griffith. He's got some amusing anecdotes for you. Oh, and here's a gun so you can blow your brains out. You'll thank me for it. I could tolerate any insurance seminar. For days, I could sit there and listen to them go on and on with a big smile on my face. They'd say, how can you stand it? I'd say, because I've been with Del Griffith. I can take anything. You know what they'd say? They'd say, I know what you mean. The shower curtain ring guy. Whoa. It's like going on a date with a chatty Kathy doll. I expect you have a little string on your chest, you know, that I pull out and have to snap back, except I wouldn't pull it out and snap it back. You would. Ah, ah, ah. And by the way, you know, when you're telling these little stories, here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes so much more interesting for the listener.
0: (laughs) It seems like that why I laughed and had no problem with the fact that Steve Martin's character that Neil got punched in the face at the,
1: uh. Yeah, that's right. And, and then, then the guy, punch. Up. Uh, so you know what's He was
0: drugged by his. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
1: That was hilarious. Do you know, I don't know if they had him sucking helium for the next scene. <laughs> <You didn't laughs> know how high his voice was for that whole next scene? That was so funny, so interesting. Um, the actor originally tapped for Neil's role was Tom Hanks, another awesome unhinged, angry person. <laughs> Maybe not as good as Steve Martin. Definitely not as mean as Steve Martin. But Tom Hanks does a really good, I've lost it, angry person as well. And then they wanted John Travolta for Dell. But at the time, John Travolta was considered box office poison, which I would like to agree with. Has that changed? No, not in my book.
2: (laughs) You guys like Adam Sandler and hate John Travolta. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. no, I'm going (laughs) to go with a quote that made me really laugh because I could really relate to it. And so Neil and Dell are sitting next to one another on the plane towards the very beginning. And Del's, you know, talking his ear off. And Neil's just like, look, I don't want to be rude, but I'm not much of a conversationalist. And I really want to finish this article. A friend of mine wrote it. So, and Del, he's not a understanding. He's like, don't let me stand in your way. Please don't let me stand in your way. The last thing I want to be remembered as is an annoying blabbermouth. You know, nothing drives my gears worse than some counterhead that doesn't know when to keep his big trap shut. Steve Martin's nodding, trying to go back to his book, and he just keeps going. Catch can't be running off with my mouth. Just give me a poke on the chubs. <laughs> that doesn't make me laugh, because, again, see, I relate to Neil. There are on the train into the city or reading on a plane, people, you have a book in your hand or you have headphones in. You think people would get the hint that they're talking your ear off. Anyway. That's why
0: you have to have over-the-ear headphones you can't do in earbuds that's why i originally started buying these cuz i was flying all the time but what's the excuse when you're reading a book you're well obviously you only read books if you're bored you're looking for somebody to entertain you right that's the problem with this country man <laughs> <laughs> it's, nobody it's...
2: appreciates reading anymore
0: it's it's funny because of the two people i'm talking to or the you know the the all three of us are big readers so and Definitely
2: english
1: majors any other favorite scenes or quotes
2: no i have one i'm just trying to find it okay so it's when <laughs> and again like see i like the slightly more dramatic moments because you know <laughs> but anyway Dell sitting in the car alone talking to his wife oh it's mm-hmm. like well marie once again my dear you are as right as rain I am without a doubt the biggest pain in the butt that ever came down the pike. I meet someone whose company I really enjoy and what do I do? I go overboard. I smother the poor soul. I cause him more trouble than he has a right to. God, I got a big mouth. When am I ever going to wake up? I wish you were here with me right now, but I guess that's not going to happen. Not now, anyway. And again, John Candy was so good at pulling off the dramatic moments in this film.
1: I wonder if I missed – if I really missed that quote because, I mean, listening to it now after you've seen the whole movie, you're like, well, obviously she's not alive anymore.
0: I think the first clue that she wasn't alive was that picture he pulled out of her and the way he was looking at her. Said yeah. to me the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, she did.
1: Yeah. Well,
2: I, it's one of those things in retrospect, right? Because when you're watching it, he's talking as if he's alive. like, But like when you're rewatching it – you know, it's just very obvious. It's just yeah, it one of those things that's out in the open, but you're just not looking for it.
1: I'm out of quotes. I think y'all are probably out of quotes too. And Anthony's bummed us all out. So let's rank this movie. We've already decided. Not a Christmas movie, right?
2: Nope. Not okay. a Christmas has, movie, but it passes the Linus test. Thanksgiving test.
1: <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> um, any Any adding of this to Thanksgiving canon? in the future for anyone
0: i think like a you said like a fine wine i'm gonna say like a dessert wine i'd like it in moderation there you go <laughs> i don't think i'll watch it every year
2: but i could definitely see me popping it on around the holidays but that's kind of hard too because around thanksgiving i like watching those films we talk about that are the perfect transition films to christmas like miracle on 34th street and national lampoon the ones at the big thanksgiving feeling moments, like the big family dinner or the parade, you know?
1: hmm I could see that. This one will probably be a pre-Thanksgiving to me. And maybe not every year. Definitely can't watch it around the kids because of the one scene.
2: So did you but. know there's a three-hour cut of this that John Hughes finished – but he said it needed so much polishing, they, he locked it away in a vault somewhere in Paramount and he said he would never finish it. And like he said, like even up to the day he died, like that'll never be finished. The film is probably rotting away. Like the, it's probably Oh my gosh. But I would love hmm. to have seen it, honestly. Like
1: oh, yeah. I know I
2: sounded down on the film. I'm really not.
1: No, I would totally watch that. All right, well, let's rank this sucker. And it's going to be one of those odd ones since we've decided it's not a Christmas movie. One and a quarter. Really?
0: It's not a Christmas movie. No feels.
1: Well, either is Batman Returns.
0: I know, and I regret that, how high that is on our list.
1: Oh, really? At least
0: least that one was set at Christmas.
1: I'm going to go with a 4.6. I'm
2: going to go with a. I'm going to go with a 4. I have to give the edge to Batman Returns because it was set at Christmas, which gives it an average of 3.283, which puts it at number 35 on our list between the Santa Claus 3 and the Nine Lives of Christmas.
1: These are the worst for me, the non-Christmas movies on our list, because if this wasn't a Christmas list, I'd probably rank that much higher.
0: Oh, in any day of the week, I would. Absolutely.
1: So for those listeners that love this movie... That's not us disagreeing with the love for this movie. That's us saying when all. it comes to Christmas movies, this one is not a Christmas movie, so it ranks a little bit lower. Um,
2: so you guys, I, w- I wanted to bring up some feedback for a Christmas movie we did because you put out the challenge, Julia, in our Christmas episode on a Christmas story to listeners, explain why you like it. And, you know... Uh we got a few actually pretty interesting um responses on Reddit. So I was just wanted to read a few since you actually put it, that question out there for them.
1: Oh I'd love that. We love interaction on our social media pages.
2: Um Okay, so there was somebody on Reddit that I will read because they agreed with you. But I, yeah, to make it seem fair, because a lot of people answered your criticism. So, but to even it out, G.J. Davila said, saw it again, still didn't like it. Tom and Julia are right. So there you go. Um,
1: <laughs> Thanks for throwing so, that bone our way.
2: <laughs> well, well, no, because I didn't want to seem like I was just trying to back myself up here. It's just No, like people- I get it.
1: <laughs> right, no, I totally get it.
2: Um, so Sleepy Gorilla Love the username. Uh wrote in, I was shocked with how disliked this movie was. This movie is pure Americana. It's a Norman Rockwell painting in movie form. I don't understand the whole not liking the characters bit. The characters may be flanderized, but they're supposed to be representations of the family members in a middle American family in the forties. It's satire and it's funny. My family enjoys this, but I don't enjoy this movie based on pure nostalgia. I like this movie because it's like looking into a time capsule. It has its flaws, but it's a funny movie that can be heartwarming and definitely has tons of Christmas spirit. But I feel like that's something you kind of addressed in the episode, right? You said, while they may be true to the 40s, you don't want to watch that, right?
1: So I think Marty could have written that response you just read. Because those are all the points he hit to minus the Norman Rockwell one. Um, yeah, he was like, this feels... This feels legitimate and real to me for what it would have been like back then coming out of the depression. So, yeah, that point of view I understand. Might not be mine, but I hear you. <laughs> That's why I was so curious as you know, how many people is it nostalgia and how many people is it that right there that she had just said or that listener had just said?
2: So, I really like this response because it kind of stands up for the father. <laughs> it does stand up for the father. So, this is from Nick610. I was bummed this one didn't get much love. One specific criticism I couldn't get behind is how you viewed the father. Sure, he's not present all the time. And when he is, he's often distracted. But I'm sure he'd rather be spending time with his family than servicing the furnace or replacing a fuse or changing a tire. He's doing his best for the family. I specifically love the scene when Ralphie has just talked to Santa and is bummed out because Santa told him, you'll shoot your eye out. And the dad is asking if he talked to Santa and told him what he would like. He next asks if Santa asked if he was good all year, and Ralphie is taken aback that he hadn't. And the dad responds, Well, don't worry, he knows, he always knows. I think this shows that however crazy life may seem, he's paying attention, and he's certainly involved as a loving father. And then the last one we got was from Lucille P. I think you guys missed the boat on this one, though Anthony got closest. The things you dislike are what makes this movie. Its set pieces are funny, it's unsentimental, and the family at the center are amazingly real. No sophisticated, wisecracking, old-for-their-age kids. No soppy, wiser-than-thou kids. So they don't act like angels. What kid does? Of course, there are exaggerations for comedy's sake, like Ralphie climbing back up the slide only to be booted by Santa. But it's all in keeping with the comic spirit of the movie. The parents are real as well, given that time. So again, the time. Maybe you have to be older to appreciate this a christmas story isn't in my personal canon i haven't seen it more than twice but i was disappointed in the short shrift you gave this i can't believe you prefer all those ranking bass cartoons to this movie side note I'll, def- I'll step in there it's me who prefers the Rankin bass cartoons
1: thank so you for I'll clarifying s- that yep.
2: <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> and they wanted to say one criticism i do agree with is the chinese restaurant scene the concept is fine but the ac- execution doesn't sit well Yes, it does take all kinds to make a world though. So thanks guys for chiming in and answering Julia's call to explain why you like this movie and rebut any of the criticisms we had for it. Um we always love interaction. So if you and appreciate it, especially in these long months until next Christmas season. So come interact with us. And you can do that at a multitude of different places. You can Find us on Facebook at, by searching TIS the Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at TIS the Pod, Instagram at Tiz the Podcast. And probably where we're most active and talkative and responsive, that we try to be everywhere, is uh, Reddit, uh, as on Reddit, which is www.reddit.com slash r slash the Podcast. And we also have a website. If you want a quick place to view the list uh, and the complete ranking of all our films we've covered so far. And that's tisthepodcast.com.
0: We've also got Patreon as an option, uh, which you can find us at patreon.com slash tisthepodcast. There you'll get some Patreon only content. And we want to give a shout out to our new patrons, Marilyn Montalvo and Margaret DiBartolomo. If I got that wrong, Margaret, please forgive me, but I do want to share what Margaret had to say and made our day. She says, Tis the Podcast is a big lift to my spirits every time I listen. I'm so glad there are many more people out there who love Christmas all year round. Thanks for the hilarious episodes. Please keep creating them. And Margaret, you'll have a little prize dropping in your mail this week.
1: Thanks for this sweet comment.
0: Yeah, thank you.
1: That really helps this time of year. It does. All right, guys. So join us next week. We are going to be covering the 2005 Ryan Reynolds rom-com, Just Friends, at I've never seen it. Have you guys? Not,
0: neither have I. Neither have I. Did not know it's a Christmas movie. Ooh. Ooh. Are or, we sure it is? Or is this uh, we're weird? not
1: sure that it is, actually. Ooh. It's set at Christmas, but we all know how that goes down sometimes. But hey, it's Ryan and Reynolds, so I'm not complaining. <laughs> um, I am <laughs> complaining, however, <laughs> about oh, the ooh. fact that-
2: Who? This what? one? I saw this one. Never mind. <laughs> Did, have, do you, have you seen the poster for this one, Julia? Do you know which Ryan Reynolds is this?
1: Yeah, I think so. I it's think I've seen the poster. Is it wrapped Ryan up with Reynolds. a
0: bow? He's in a fat he's suit.
1: Not. It's in a fa- it's fat Ryan Reynolds. All Ryan Reynolds is attractive. Because I'm looking at the heart and the sarcasm. And that stays the same, whether he's fat or not. Plus, I can just picture the fact that one day he becomes Deadpool. and has like 50 million abs. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because I really care about what's inside. Um, All right.
0: Technically, the ads are inside, right?
1: (laughs) I really don't want to say this, but we kind of have to, right?
0: Guys, this is um, not a fun thing to say, but we have 8,424 hours until Christmas. Which is
2: only 351 days.
1: Which is only 50 weeks. That's not so bad.
2: We're already out of the 50s next week.
1: I mean, yeah, it's only 50 Mondays until Christmas oh no okay it's only 50 fridays there we go all
0: right bye guys bye bye